Welcome to House of Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Hausman. Come on in, take your shoes off, hat, coat, whatever, throw them on the rack, go over to the table, get a little bit of an Oreo cookie action going here today. That's the hors de tour, I think is what they call it. I think I got that wrong. Doesn't matter. Head on into the living room. The fireplace is going like usual and sitting by it here today. Our good friend from WrestleRoast, he's a former WWE creative team member. You may know him better as Robert Carpellis. Robert, thank you so much for getting, uh, taking the time to talk with me here today. I know myself better as Robert Karpolis, but we're, we're good friends, Nick. We go back a long way. It's a, no one has ever pronounced it right. I, I deal with it. I love it. You've also got me sitting next to an open fire. I'm in South Florida. It is 94 degrees right now. I'm dying of heat. I'm hallucinating. What a hospitable host you are. <laughs> I've only said your last name like twice, and I think I was prepared to say it Karpolis, and then I like botched it in my mind and like overshot it. I thought it too hard. It, it's fine. I, I like how Vince used to pronounce it. It was just Jew. Uh, it worked. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. That was that was JBL's uh, how, how he referred to me and Alex Greenfield. It just made life easier for him. Carp, carp, like a fish. Carp. Oh, and I, I was carp. And then when I worked in hockey, it was carpy because anytime you work in hockey, they take the first part of your name, add a Y at the end. So I've I've yet to be able to accept my I'm like an NXT wrestler. I never get attached to my name because they're going to change it at some point in time. Uh, yeah, you know, my favorite NXT, right? I don't know what it's like, but I love Bronco and Lucian. I'm still getting used to their last names, but they're the uh, the two guys that are always throwing bones and seem like they'll legitimately kick the shit out of you. Those are my favorite guys in NXT right now. I will. I will accept that. Okay. I, I... <laughs> I, I, I watch I, I catch NXT. I, I don't watch it religiously. I will watch sure. it for Robert Stone because I think he's fantastic. And I'd love to hear more about that guy if, you know, uh, that's happening later in the show, maybe. I well, what a throw there from my co-host today, Robert Carp, Carpy Carp over here. Yeah, later on in the show, uh, after we talk the news of the uh, past, we're going to catch up on everything since Thursday here on today's show. Uh, Mr. Stone from WWE NXT in the house. I am so excited to uh, chat with Robert or Mr. Stone now. He's shortened it down. It's just Mr. Stone. Of course, he's paired with Von Wagner right now in NXT. They're on a great run right now. Great series of vignettes. Very emotional stuff. We're heading into Great American Bash. And, of course, if you're a regular listener of the show, uh, you know that I used to work as a manager on the independent scene as Ronaldo Piven. I actually got to share some space with Mr. Stone in uh, a lifetime ago when he was known as Robbie E here in the Midwest doing shows with GLCW and elsewhere. And uh, I I love the culture of managers. I know how to be a manager. There's no managers really in WWE outside of Heyman, but he's more of an advocate, which is a weird nerdy thing I get into with Mr. Stone in this interview. So uh, stick around. He's in the house. Uh, we got We're going to have highlights on the site. Uh, enjoy some Mr. Stone. Um, also, of course, if you're watching this, you're watching me, Robert, Mr. Stone, the whole show here, House of Wrestling in video form. You are watching it on the premier streaming network. That is right. Every Tuesday, Thursday, noon, Aster, noon Eastern, come on over here to the premier streaming network. You can catch House of Wrestling when it gets debuted uh, twice a week. It's going to be in video form. It's the only place you can find it in video form. And then uh, later, after it's released here on premier streaming network, we throw it on the House of Wrestling podcast platform, uh, which is which is awesome. And you should just give that a like and a review and all that good stuff, too. Um, we also have a website. The whole the whole thing here is built on the website, House of Wrestling 
wrestling.com, H-A-U-S of wrestling.com. We had a couple exclusives past couple days, Robert. I thought I'd highlight here before we get into all the other news. Does that sound fun? Let's hear it. So I don't know if you heard WrestleCon book Rick Steiner. Did you hear about this? I did. <laughs> um, that's, uh, you know, look. <laughs> Let's I, start with the easy stuff. Did you hear about this? I like you turn into Leno all of a sudden. Have you seen this? Have you heard this? There's a Rick Steiner. He's not a yeah. good guy. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yes, that's a really smart booking decision. If you want to bring fans to your event, you put a guy out there who, if you take a cursory Google search, you go AOL keyword Rick Steiner, and suddenly you're on a, a watch list. So it's uh, it's fantastic. Uh, I'm sure they handled it really well, and they've 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 moved him off the show. They they disavowed him. They said we made a terrible mistake. We value you fans. Is that what they that what they did? Robert, that is actually not what happened here. So what happened was they put out the announcement that him and Scott, the Steiner brothers, are coming to the show, knowing they were about to eat a big storm coming at them. They had a prepared statement. The owner did. Michael did. But I'm not going to read the whole thing here. But it basically amounts to. Uh, Rick apologized to staff members, uh, Impact Wrestling members, I guess. Um, apologized to everybody, made good, except for Giselle Shaw, the uh, wrestler, who was obviously the person that ate the uh, brunt of the transphobic tirade that Rick Steiner put on at the last WrestleCon. So Giselle Shaw was like, I don't want an apology from you. I'm done with you. But everybody else accepted Rick's apology, and that was enough to welcome him back into the fold. That doesn't seem... Now, well, you know, anybody who wanted to defend Rick, right, and was just, like, fine with it, they were willing to accept that and move on. But then there's the other group of people, which I would say would be the more vocal majority in this situation, that that feel like if Giselle Shaw is not ready to move past this and does not see that this is being rectified the right way, maybe that's the most important voice in the room. I think that's a very fair point to make as well. How about How do you feel about that? The the term uh, of art that we use is it's a business decision. And ultimately, the consumer and their dollar is what winds up making that that eventual choice. If the, the wrestling fans say, we've heard what Rick Steiner said, we heard that he supposedly made an, an apology and, and Giselle chose not to accept it. But, you know, someone is OK with either what he said initially, which is problematic or they've accepted his apology and they are willing to spend their hard-earned dollars to see him, take a picture with him, so be it. If the broader audience rejects this and says, we do not want to spend our money with him, other people, talent that are on this this event say, we don't want to be associated with him, right. majority rules. So I'm curious to see how it plays out. None of us were there for, for the apology. Um, people have bad moments i would say this does not feel like this was necessarily a bad moment this feels like this was sort of a a belief that rick steiner had that he chose to dispose and i think the bigger victim in this uh beyond just uh you know the wrestlecon world outside of obviously anyone that heard his tirade and giselle's feelings is braun breaker having to catch the the brunt of this in wwe because they're positioning him as a second generation star and now you can't really mention who his dad is yeah, no, that's been reported too, right? That there's distance now between Rick and the company, you know, and, and rightfully so. And I think that that's a good point about how, you know, we, I, if you're going to make an apology, right, don't do it just behind closed doors and especially don't just do it to the people that aren't actually the person that you went after. 
let's hear the apology, right? Because apologies come in all forms. Did he apologize for how she feels or did, did he take genuine apology for what he said and know what he said and did was wrong, right? This has come up with Ric Flair. This has come up with Hulk Hogan. The genuineness of apologies is its own kind of thing. It is a part of the process here. So I think he would be well served to do that publicly as well. So anyway, the next day after this whole thing breaks out, they put out their talent guide and it's their listing of all the talent and the pricing for the photos and autographs. Now, not listed on the talent guide was the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott Steiner. And I swear to God, within a half hour of this thing being posted, I had two different people reach out to me and say, did they pull Rick? What's going on here? And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to reach out to WrestleCon. So I reached out to WrestleCon and I asked them, what's going on here? Did you guys pull Rick? Here's the comment that I got back from WrestleCon. Uh, they said, after the feedback we got yesterday about Rick Steiner, we felt it would be better to put out a pricing list without his name so people that need the information could focus on it. Now, I, I was honestly like a little surprised by the response um, because it it kind of it says we're going to keep him, but we're not going to advertise him. We're not going to market him in a way where he could be a distraction to the overall event. And to me, that's that's a Band-Aid, man. You're, that's a ticking time bomb now because you're – you're kind of confusing people a little bit. You're you're not really preparing them for what they're they're going to be getting, and I I just think it sets you up for another wave of criticism and headaches here by handling it that way. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I think that you're you're trying to hide the problem uh, without actually addressing the problem. If you if you feel strongly enough that Rick Steiner should not be there, and you don't want to advertise that he's there then theoretically you're pulling him from the event. But by taking him off of the advertising and people show up and he's there, they're going to feel blindsided after they've paid their admission ticket and after they've paid to you know take other pictures and may have said, you know what, I don't want to be a part of this event. I, I, I liken this to, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to, you know, suddenly say, all right, I'm okay with Kanye West after what happened with Kanye West and his crazed anti-Semitic tirade. I'm trying to fit this into my own world rather than, anybody else is inappropriate something else but if i went to a festival and all of a sudden they're like oh we didn't announce kanye west but guess what he's here i'd kind of be upset that i spent my money on that <laughs> yes you would yes yes that's a great analogy right and uh you know again it's not like they committed some kind of an assault here it was more verbal and uh, again of course very aggressive in rick's case and i think there's a lot more to it there um but anyway uh we haven't seen a big talent exodus from WrestleCon yet and we may not We'll continue to watch this one play out, but certainly a very fluid situation. Even as we're talking right now, I'm sure people are tweeting about the whole Rick Steiner WrestleCon uh, situation still. You know, and it's unfortunate. I mean, the real it's it's really unfortunate for the other people who are participating in WrestleCon because it's a great revenue opportunity for those wrestlers and talent that are there. They love being able to you know interact with fans. It's a it's a great financial opportunity for them, and the fact that this is overshadowing this and marring that event. Uh, is really, really unfortunate. I, I've talked to at least one notable talent that was like, I don't know that I can do these events anymore morally, and I don't really know how to handle that. And I'm like, mm, that's on you, man. I, I'm here to talk and vent, you know, but it is a situation. There's a lot of moving pieces behind the scenes right now. Um, the other story we had here uh, go up over the weekend, or actually I think this went out yesterday, um, Global Pro Wrestling Summit, this big show in Jerusalem, Israel, that was supposedly going down with Sting and all the, Rob Van Dam and all these names. I put out this exclusive about how it was all happening here two weeks ago. And then yesterday I hear back from the same people saying, well, because the promoter we were working with in Israel, this is a very short summation of a very long statement that's on the site right now. 
they were the the promoter they were working with stopped uh, delivering on deposits and several other things that they were agreeing to. So as it stands now, this big show with Sting n- not completely canceled. They're holding the date. It, uh, we'll see if it goes down on the same day or in the same place. I do know the people behind it still really, really want to make it happen, but it's uh, it it seems it seems like a seems like it's a little off the tracks at the moment, Robert. That's that's the long story short. I mean, I, I'm disappointed for the fans in Jerusalem who are looking forward to a night of wrestling and a surprise Kanye West concert. Oh, but, uh, mm. you know, it's going to be uh, and Rick Steiner and uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't know that Rick Steiner has a valid passport. Let's be honest, but. It's it's unfortunate because Israeli wrestling seems to be catching on. There seems to be a, a, a burgeoning independent scene there. Yes. And it would have been nice for that market to be kind of reopened a little bit. I think that WWE would probably be running shows over there in uh, in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv. Uh, maybe AEW has an opportunity to go over there. And the more markets there are uh, for companies to work, the better. And those international fans have shown whether it's, tours in Australia or all the stuff that's being sold over in Europe, they're rabid for live events and they want to go and see it. Yes. And that's, and that's kind of why I heard this came across as a little surprising because I had heard that there were some like legitimate bigger promoters there. And I know that they're talking to some other people now to kind of help salvage this thing. But another part of this was kind of taking the American names or the, you know, whatever big international names and infusing them with some of the burgeoning talent in Israel right now and trying to kind of elevate those talents too. Like there's a whole strategy here, I think, with what they're trying to do uh, with these big names, taking them over to, to Israel. So again, we'll keep an eye on it. All right, let's get into some non house of wrestling news here. Um, we'll start with an AEW block. Our good friends over at fightful man, just after I recorded last Thursday, they dropped this article that people are still talking about. So we're going to go through it here. Now they, uh, AEW sent out this internal document outright banning unprotected chair shots to the head shots, to the back of the head, buckle bombs, blind moves, Backwards into the turnbuckle, fencing responses such as unnatural position of arms following concussion, seizure cells. You can't do those. Spitting, thank God, off limits. Bleeding in the crowd, no brainer, I would think. Weapons or projectiles in the crowd, also good. Uh, taking drinks or food from guests in the crowd, also good. And uh, no physical contact with the crowd in general. Uh, there was also a group of spots that was much more broad. Um, that was limited or that was listed, but also these are still permitted. However, they must be approved by medical and the coaches assigned to the match. It was noted that the list was not a comprehensive one and could be adjusted by medical, legal, and coaching staff. And when approved, the moves are to be performed in accordance with safety protocols in place. Below is the list. So here is the list verbatim from the document. The, the earlier moves outright banned. These right here can occasionally be approved if necessary. Spots and bumps on the ring apron and outside. Table ladder chair spots in and out of the ring only allowed with padding. Any elevated spots outside of the barricades as in dives and ladder spots on the stage, around the arena, and other places outside the ring. All pile driver tombstone variations, including sit-down drivers, inverted poison hurricane rana, and vertebrakers. High-risk dives on top rope moves, as in 450s, 630s, double moonsaults, SSP, international, etc. Intentional bleeding of any sort, not just bleeding. So that means if you go hardway style Brock Lesnar, just jam your head into a, a ring uh, corner, 
not okay. Throwing people into through over ring steps, commentary table, bell table, or guardrails, barricades, weapon usage, chairs, pipes, kendo sticks, hammers, hammers, ring bells, bats, chains, etc. Title belts, thumbtack skewers, barbed wire, other sharp puncturing objects, powders, aerosol sprays, liquids. You can't throw any weapons or objects such as chairs, choking and strangling with hands or a weapon or hanging spots also need to be uh, given approval. Injury spots or angles, whether or not medical is involved, called into the ring. Any physicality in the crowd or crowd brawling, any physicality involving referees, managers, extras, celebrities, or special guests. Talent were encouraged to speak to coaches, talent relations, medical team, or legal as early as possible for things that would require such planning. And I will note, Sounds like some talent are happy about this because it gives them more power to the uh, producers and medical staff. Now they have actual things that they can stand by and say, here's where you guys need to get in line and start to tighten some things up. So I just talked for like two and a half straight minutes. Um, when you see a list like this come out, when you see a story like this come out, what, what, what are your thoughts on it, Robert? That John Moxley's retiring. Oh, he's done. Uh, he's literally down to a headlock and grunting, yeah. um, which, you know, is fine for Renee. But uh, I think part of the the list, the, the the ban from everybody kind of list, I would have assumed was already in place. Or if it wasn't, it should have been. Uh, some of the more common sense stuff, obviously, bleeding on paid customers, right. not a great idea. Uh, spitting, probably not the best idea in a post-COVID world. Glad they got the memo three years later. Um, the, the seizure stuff, the concussion stuff is not entertaining, especially given everything we know about it, everything Danielson has has talked about. You then had Adam Cole coming back and talking about the seriousness of his actual concussions. It really shouldn't have a place within the confines of wrestling. It's not entertaining when you know the real ramifications. Unprotected chair shots to the head, it's, it's 2023. Like These things, they probably already knew them. They just codified it. It feels, and I know nothing about any but it feels like they're taking extra precautionary steps in hopes of new tv deal new yes. streaming deal we want to make it seem like look at how well behaved we are we have great guidelines in place uh where we're like it's not you know cowboy bringing in like no moves off the top rope so it's it's something uh it's trying to rein in and somebody looks at this and thinks these guys are totally out of control uh, and they've got, you know, Nick Gage with a pizza cutter or something like that. But at the same time, I don't think you're going to see many changes at all with what they're putting out there on television. This is just it's some PR, but nine times out of 10, you're talking to your producer. If you don't know how to do a 450 safely, you're not going to do a 450 on television. I hope, though, I've seen, you know, Commander on TV. Dot, dot, dot. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think this has a little bit to do with the TV deal, maybe more than a little bit, you know, uh, at a time when you're trying to secure a $1 billion bag of cash here, um, you know, showing these uh, people that you're not going to be an issue for them, right? We have rules in place. We're going to keep this thing in order. We're building. We're growing. I definitely think there's quite a bit of that. Um, it, it, when it comes to the uh, kind of a PR, it's, I, I think I think it is going to be – I think there's going to be an adjustment period here. You know, I did – immediately notice on collision this past Saturday, which was by the way, uh, two weeks in a row, they're just knocking it out of the park. I think over in collision right now, FTR and bullet club gold are just delivering big. But at the end of that tag match that we saw the two out of three falls, uh, what did hangman or what did 
uh, Switchblade and Juice Robinson do when they were offered the handshakes? Ah, they spit in their hands. They spit at their feet. And I was like, oh, wait, where are you supposed to not? Oh, whatever. Um, so it's going to be an adjustment, I think, for some people to get used to these rules. And there'll probably be a grace period here until I think we we see it all kind of click, you know. So um, bad news here for one person. Uh, Mark Briscoe, uh, Fightful, the first report, but Tony Khan uh, confirmed very, very shortly after that Mark Briscoe has been pulled from Ring of Honor's Death Before Dishonor ROH world title match against Claudio Castagnoli. Uh, it appears he has a serious knee injury that may require surgery. This match was thrown together last week. The pay-per-views in like a couple days, I think. Uh, you know, I... I would have liked Mark to take this title off Claudio because I don't think it means anything on Claudio right now. He's still lost the shelf of the Blackpool Combat Club stuff. At least Mark Briscoe screams Ring of Honor to me at the moment, you know? I think part of the problem with Ring of Honor right now is it exists in a vacuum. Um, it's it's existing on their, their streaming platform and nowhere else. So I wasn't even fully aware of what was going on with the situation of how thrown together this was. I would have probably seen the card uh, posted on House of Wrestling, but, and I would have been like, hey, that'd be a fun match to watch. It's unfortunate. I'm glad Mark uh, is employed under this umbrella, this AEW umbrella, and I'm sure they're taking care of him and helping his his medical bills for this versus just being a guy that was kind of out there on the indies or, or just under the old Ring of Honor banner. So from that perspective, it's a little bit fortunate that he'll have that kind of, uh, you know, comfort level and he'll probably get right back there. And it's another redemption story for him of he had this opportunity. He was doing this, you know, for family, for a legacy. It gets taken away. And now it's, you know, rebuild, return and go after Claudio. I don't think Claudio having the Ring of Honor title is is helping anybody right now. It's not drawing eyeballs and it's just, more content that Tony's expecting people to consume when they're already putting out five hours of TV on TBS and TNT and the ratings for some of those, I mean, for rampage alone, there's a little bit of fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, I, I just look again, I'm like you, I'm just happy. Mark's employed. And he seems to be having fun. And it's not always the case when pro wrestling, like makes people's lives better after a tragic tragedy. But in this case, it does seem like, Mark is being surrounded by the right people. I know Jeff Jarrett and that group uh, with with Sanjay and Jay really care about Mark and they want to see him happy. So uh, I hope he, ha you know, and the other thing, last thing on Mark is he never really had a chance to grieve after Jay passed. Like he went right from the passing into wrestling again and he's done great. And like I just said, I know he's surrounded by really good people that, that want to make, see him, you know, being the best version of himself and see himself being very happy. But if you've ever lost somebody that's very, very close to you, you know how those emotions can hit. And especially when you're in that go, 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 sometimes you can put them away, not really like, you know, uh, have time to process them. And now Mark's going to have some time to sit at home and he's not going to have any pressure to wrestle right now. And I hope that this does kind of weirdly open up a, a, a window for him at this period in his life where he can hopefully process those emotions and come back to the game of pro wrestling, just kind of like the absolute best version of himself, if that makes sense. You know, it does. And if, and if he's still feeling down, he can always uh, pull up collision and see Tony Khan in a cowboy hat. God damn, man, that cowboy hat. You know, they say in politics, never wear hats, never wear hats. Uh, Tony is the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, I probably should have thrown this in the opening house of wrestling block. Cause I did get a little exclusive news on this as well. For those that didn't see uh, after triple mania this past weekend, Don Callis was legitimately attacked by somebody out on a baseball field as Kenny Omega and Takashita were brawling. 
So what happened here was there was a lot of stuff coming out. Some people said it was a fan for a while. Some people said a photographer. Uh, I reached out to Conan, and I so I don't have to I don't have to cite you as a source. He's like, fucking cite me as a source. I don't give a shit. This is what happened. A former security officer was there, but he was not part of the security detail. He was there visiting friends who were a part of the security detail, right? So that's how he gets down onto the field. Now this brawl breaks out between Takashita and Omega, and it's a work obviously but this guy not being a part of it marks out and decides he's going to start throwing people around to try to break this thing up and one of those people is don Callis, who conan told me was nearly choked out and had his suit ripped right um after this all happens they get this guy off of don Callis. all conan told me was this guy got worked over and um for those that don't know that it means you get the shit kicked out of you by because you got involved in the show and you were not supposed to be doing that um, so he got worked over. Don's okay. Observer says the same thing. Looks like Don will be a blood and guts on Wednesday. But very scary situation here. Um, wh- whenever anybody gets attacked, you know. Oh yeah, no. This is uh, I, I saw the footage. Uh, you kind of see him in the background of the uh, of the brawl, and you just kind of see him getting flung around. Right. And part of the the misconception is when you see it on TV and you think, oh, this really can't hurt. The simplest stuff, having your jacket pulled, the way that his his neck in the condition that it currently is, you can really hurt yourself in a very minor way with someone who doesn't know what they're doing, especially if they think they're doing something for real, whether they're actively stopping an assailant or they think, oh, I'm part of the show and these guys know how to do it. Uh, Don's had a rough year, first getting his head split open on TV and now this, and I'm sure there is a very small part of him being the old school guy that he is, that he's just happy that there's that much heat on him that he thought somebody legitimately attacked him. Yeah, uh, I'm sure he's kind of reveling in it for sure. I think there's definitely an aspect of that. You know, if I, but I'm looking at this and if I'm Tony Khan, you know, you're you're look you look at the footage of what's going on here. You're out in this baseball field. It's very chaotic environment. A lot of opportunity for something like this to happen. I, you know, I don't want to tie the two things together because, and I could go talk to Conan directly about this. And I'm sure he would tell me yes or no. But like 48 hours later, you have uh, Ray Phoenix dropping his AAA titles. And I don't know, is it like Tony Khan, like, mm, I don't want to put my talent at risk, you know, um, going to a place where people could get hurt. I got so much money on the line as it is. I'm going to, this, this pulls me in further to wanting to keep them in the AEW mix and the ROH mix where I have 100% control of that environment. You know what I mean? That should have been a decision he made years ago. I think WWE wisely for a long time, they don't allow their talent to work outside of the confines of WWE because of the safety concerns. And it's not minor safety concerns. It's the integrity of the ring and the integrity of the people that you're working with, the mm-hmm. conditions of the locker room. And when Tony is letting his talent go out there and work elsewhere, Kenny Omega doesn't need exposure beyond what's on AEW TV. You're not getting extra eyeballs from it. There's no enhanced value. You're just risking some of your top stars getting hurt and not on your dime. And I think that's something he really needs to take a look at, whether it was or was not this Don Callis situation. But Conan and those guys know better. You don't let anybody on the field uh, near the ring, who's not part of the business, who knows what's going on, who's read in because these situations can happen. And unfortunately something did happen and it could have been much worse. Yeah. And that's the thing. And, and look, Don's a player for them right now on TV, right? Kenny Omega is a player, right? And you see somebody like, you see something like this happen, go down. 
we're feet away from somebody you have millions of dollars tied up in, right? Like, I, I certainly would take a second guess and or second look at kind of how we got into that situation. Uh, moving into WWE, here's a story I'm sure you cannot relate to at all, Robert. Fightful saying Eric Young asked for his WWE release in April when he saw the Endeavor deal, and he knew that Vince McMahon was going to be returning back to the fold. Now, of course, uh, Eric Young was lured back into WWE by Paul Triple H Levesque as an in-ring performer uh, after Vince McMahon retired. Vince is coming back. Eric Young says, no, I'd like to be released. Uh, they gave him his release, and they gave him a 90-day non-compete, which is now expired. He's back with Impact Wrestling. Um, Eric said he didn't like the effect that Vince's return had on morale of the locker room. He also has personal and creative issues with Vince McMahon. And there were plans, apparently, for Young after WrestleMania. But even with those in place, he said, nah, I'm out. And he left. How do you feel about Eric Young's decision to, you know, play chicken with the train on the tracks right there? I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing him at WrestleCon. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> I think, look, I think he made, he made the right decision for him. And he's fortunate in the sense that he knows that he has another option. He, he has a legacy and impact. He can always go back there. And what they're doing over at Impact Wrestling, which unfortunately does not have the audience it probably deserves because uh, it's harder to find. But he knows he has a home there and he has another opportunity. And it's, you know, if I don't feel comfortable going back there and working with Vince, especially at the time when that Endeavor deal happened. You know, you saw what happened between night one of WrestleMania and night two of WrestleMania. And that Monday after Mania, people got nervous that, all right, all this good stuff we were seeing with Hunter in charge is going to go away. And I don't need to subject myself to that if I don't have to. Thankfully, it seems that Vince has kind of been slowly locked back in his closet and and he's not running rampant and morale and merchandise sales and ticket sales are, are up and great. But Eric Young did what was right and best for him. The other alternative would have been to stick it out there and you would have seen a lackluster version of him on TV. Yeah. He, when your heart's not in it, your heart's not in it. And you don't want to see him going through the motions and then maybe proving Vince right when he says this guy does not deserve whatever that spot is. And I think an impact, he's going to make an immediate positive change for that company and, and he'll be fine. I like how you said, like Hunter lured him back as if like the money and the, the, the fame and the, and the opportunity for merchandise and revenue wasn't enough. It was, man, how great is catering? We got so much diet Mountain Dew. Well, I think it was just the I think it was the idea that you're going to be part of a new WWE, a new day where Vince isn't around. We're going to do things my way. I look what I did with Sanity and NXT. We're going to get back to doing cool stuff like that. You know, I know how to book you. I, I think that was obviously the carrot that lured him, as I say that so lasciviously. Oh, yeah. Oh, brings him in. You know, I think he was lured back in by the idea of like, this is just going to be a better place. I'm going to have fun. This is going to be a different a different era, different product. I think it'll be good. So. Uh, he never got back on TV when he was on, but you're right. I don't think that under Vince that, that he would have got him. I know I got I disagreed with a lot of people on Twitter last night because I actually watched Raw live for once. Everybody seemed to enjoy the Viking Raiders match, and I don't want to say it was bad. It's just dumb. Like I look at it, it looks like a play school, you know, uh, playset, you know, or something like that. It's goofy. First of all, looking. it's a Mattel playset. Mattel Let's get our branding proper because I'm surprised they didn't release the Viking ring on, on WWE shop by the end of the night, those guys, uh, the, the, the alpha Academy and the Viking Raiders made, uh, did exactly what Vince always says. They, they, they made chicken, they, chicken salad, it's easy for me to say chicken salad out of chicken shit. 
you were given this goofy, cumbersome ring with a, a the head of a Viking ship and all these shields. And they went out there and they had a damn fun match in spite of the goofiness of the ring and in spite of putting Titus O'Neil on commentary, which is a bright flashing light of this is going to be terrible. And I think they rose above all of those hurdles and showed how great all of them are. And they put on a really fun match that the crowd absolutely loved. And Maxine taking the bump through the table uh, was trending all over on Twitter. Yeah, look, I'm not, but again, for me, it's like, yeah, every, I agree with everything you said. I just wish it didn't have this goofy, cartoony look to it, you know? It just, like, takes away from me. I don't know. I yeah, agree. But you, you, you never, sometimes the goofy stuff occasionally works. Uh, this was one of those rare times where it didn't involve zombies or putting black light on wrestlers and worse wrestling fans. So you, you never know. You know, at least The Fiend didn't show up and, and, that would have that would this thing would have unfortunately gone further south because that poor dude everything he's involved in winds up being snake bit from a yeah. creative perspective. I'm yeah. still picturing Braun Strowman being dragged down a swamp. It's, it's it was good in a way that they're gonna do it again. I don't like that. <laughs> so, anyway, I I am in the minority on this one. I'm oh, absolutely sure of that. Um, over uh, over on Raw, a couple other things happened. We're starting to take shape here going into SummerSlam. Cody Brock three. That's official after Brock laid out Cody in front of his mom. Uh, by the way, Cody's documentary comes out into the month. Uh, Shayna Ronda, that's official after uh, they gave Ronda. What'd you make of Ronda's promo? What do you make of Ronda right now, Robert? Uh, she, outs- I mean, look, I'm terrified of Ronda, so I don't want to be. Uh, yeah, you don't want to make her too mad. Yeah. No, we, we roasted her on Wrestle Roast, and I literally reached out to Shayna Baszler. I'm like, please make sure Ronda doesn't kill me. Uh, and she's like, no, it's funny. You're fine. Um, but I think Ronda, if she slows down a little bit, that promo would have been great. The way that they had her position with her lying back in the chair with her feet up. She seemed smarmy. She was embracing the obnoxiousness of um, coming through the back door versus going through the front door. She laid out the story well, and she took great pot shots at, at Shayna. I think the challenge of that would have been Shayna goes out there, kills Nikki Cross in about 12 seconds, and then they're like, oh, and the crowd goes mild. You just kind of buried that match. You just kind of buried Nikki Cross when the idea is Shayna Baszler is so dangerous, she can beat you in less than a minute. And that part of it was a little eh, but I like the story. I think that the crowd's going to get behind Shayna. I think the match is going to be better than you think it is because when it's people who are real friends, like that Hunter Sean thing, they're going to beat the hell out of each other. And they're going to want to make this good because Ronda, before she leaves for a break or whatever it is, wants to leave Shayna in a better position than she was before. And that's the motivation that you need. And I think that's why this story will work. Yeah, and she is. I uh, Hard to argue that, you know, she's not doing a great job by Shayna here if she has taken some time off for a while. Because Shayna Baszler's never looked like a bigger deal. And I, I, I also thought the same thing about how... She kind of buried the match, and I didn't. I thought the promo. I agree. I think if you slowed it down, would have been better. But I thought that in general, she kind of was just kind of shitting on wrestlers. <laughs> like I thought. She, I don't know that it really like helped elevate a bunch of people on the brand for her to say some of the stuff that she did. It felt to me like she she showed up and she had some things she wanted to say, and like you know they want her there. I think they're making concessions to get it across the line here to get her into SummerSlam, and you know not have her walk out or some some craziness or like that. And so I think they're kind of yeah they're they're making they're negotiating right now what what she wants to do versus what they want her to do. Yeah, no this this feels 
it feels truncated. It feels like they knew that they only have it SummerSlam. We got to get everything in. And it's kind of turned into like the last season of Game of Thrones. We only have so many episodes. We're just going to rush stuff and plow through it and hope for the best. Uh, all right. I'm going to uh, one last thing here. We're going to have to gloss over. It looks like Bailey's going to be fine for everybody who's not knowing. And yeah, Chuck Schumer wants prime energy drinks off the shelves. That's not a big surprise. But uh, Sonny Deville and Chelsea Green, they won the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships on Raw. Um, this was, uh, you know, Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan. Solid act for sure. But it definitely looks like Raquel and Rhea Ripley is on the horizon. And I think that this was probably a decision to get Raquel the titles off of Raquel so she can move over there. You'll figure out what to do with Liv. And hopefully after like, you know, what are we in month three or four of hot potato booking with the women's titles? I'm hoping that Sonia and Chelsea can really sink their teeth into this and make something happen because they're both very talented. I think they got a good look and they work well together. I hope that they can do something here with, with these titles. Yeah, I think this is another victim of this accelerated storyline that they had with, with Shayna and Ronda. The idea would have been that they always would have won the women's tag titles and then you would have had this split. But they they rushed it when you had live out with an injury and then put the titles back on them and take it off of them. Uh, Raquel and Rhea is a strong match for SummerSlam. My guess is based on what happened at the end of Raw with Liv attacking Rhea, you're going to get Rhea taking out Liv in some form or fashion. Uh, very Jimmy Uso style so that Raquel has a reason to, you know, want to get revenge on top of everything else. I think Chelsea and Sonya will slow that division down a little bit in a good way. They're going to be a consistent tag team. They're a great overheel act. You have some some babyface tag teams that you can move and maneuver around. And being able to use them on Raw and SmackDown is an asset. I think Chelsea has has really upped her game while being back in WWE. Her and Sonya for a thrown-together team, because originally Carmella was part of this. Uh, they've, they've melded well, and being able to use them on Raw, on NXT, on SmackDown, all going to be positives. And the women's tag division gives a lot of these talented women something to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's going to be it's going to be good. I don't know how great the Rhea Raquel match is necessarily going to be. Uh, hopefully her knee injury. I'm doing quote. If you're watching on the premier streaming network, you see me doing the air quotes. Uh, I think the knee injury is going to help where she might be a little clunky in the ring, but Rhea needs somebody to just beat and all due respect to Natalia and her new hat. Mm. Uh, she's not a SummerSlam draw. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of the news block here. About to jump over to Mr. Stone. Robert, are you going to watch Mr. Stone with us here today and stick around, or are you going to are you going to fly away before we uh, get I, I, I'm I'm plugged in to see the guy who knew enough to drop his first name because there's only one Robert here on the House of Wrestling. That's absolutely right. All right, so we're going to throw here to my interview now with Mr. Stone. Stick around on the other side. We'll be back for a brief outro. Uh, but here it is, me and Mr. Stone. Welcome into this House of Wrestling exclusive interview. It is me, Nick Hausman, and at this time, I am joined by one of the stars of WWE NXT. You can see him every Tuesday night, 8, 7 Central on the USA Network. And, of course, the Great American Bash coming up here at the end of the month at the HEB Center down in Cedar Park, Texas. It is Mr. Stone. Mr. Stone, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Hey, you know, I I, I got to be honest with you. I have to ask, did you lose a bet? Because Mr. Stone does not get a lot of interview requests. Man, well, that's that's everyone else's loss, Mr. I, Stone. I, I like you already. No, well, here's the thing. So uh, the reason I've been wanting to chat with you, a couple things. First of all, you give me big Jim Varney energy, um, which I think is great. <laughs> you told me. Yes, I've told you that before. You give me huge Jim Varney energy, and I would pay 
any amount of money to see WWE Studios resurrect the Ernest series with you as the star. Second of all, we spent time around each other on the Midwest scene uh, in a previous life um, where you were known as this <laughs> Jersey bro, Robbie E. And I just uh, remember how uh, good you were to be around, how smart you were, how, how much people listened to you. I remember being backstage, Al Snow, putting you over about how great you were about putting together hardcore matches with him and then asking me to quiz you about politics because he thought it was really funny. Right. So there was that. But then I had to look up this other. I, I was like, we had to have done a show together, like on the, like a notable show. And I found one. It was from 2012. It was a GLCW resistance pro show, which for those that don't know, Billy Corgan's old promotion. And it was the show where I got to work with Zach Gowan and steal his prosthetic leg. And you were in the main event versus Armando Estrada and Mr. Kennedy. And it was just a really good time. So bottom line. I got excited to talk to you because I know you a little bit. I know how good you are. I know how respected you are by your peers. And I think you're doing, and dude, you're doing a great job in NXT right now, man. Um, all right. That was a lot of, that wasn't even a question. That's what I was going to say. That was like about five times throughout everything you just said. I was like, going to answer or, but you just kept going. Hey, look, you nah. can go on for an hour if you're going to keep putting me over like that. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. But I, just, I will say is to, to sum that up. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people, like if, if you're new to me or you don't know my history and, you know, I like to think I kind of look good for my age and what I'm doing, like I've been doing this now for like almost 24 years. Mm -hmm. I started when I was 16, so I've been doing it so long. So you talk about knowledge, like I've, I've pretty much been in every situation and every scenario and wrestled everywhere, basically all over the world with some of the best talent all over the world. And I really have gained a lot to all put in this. And um, yeah, like I, I, I love uh, sharing that knowledge. And then like, you know, I feel like, I feel like right now I'm at the top of my game and I'm, I'm, I'm the best I've ever been because of all that knowledge. All right. Well, let's get into it here. Now the stage <laughs> is set, right? Like I think people are, they're getting the vibe now about why this conversation will have some heft. So you know you've been in the business 24 years. Now, you only signed with WWE about four years ago. Now, you did, like, some enhancement stuff early in your career, but this is 20 years in the making. What led to you? What, what's, how did the stars align for you to finally sign that full-time WWE contract? Well, I mean, obviously, WWE is the place everybody wants to be, hands right. down, at least, you know, I, I think that anyway. It's where I always wanted to be since I was a child, since I was four years old, uh, uh, obsessed with pro wrestling obsessed with sports entertainment i was the kid in elementary school and middle school and high school everyone knew loved wrestling obviously i was going to do it right when i turned 16 um the, the wrestling school by my house parents signature i was able to do it i joined with three of my best friends they all dropped out within a few months i stuck with it always with the end goal of wwe it's it's where i wanted to be and a lot of i feel like that's everyone's goal but if everyone wants things so quick now they don't want to work for them. You know, there's different paths that people take. And after a few years, if, 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 if they don't get there, they just kind of give up. Well, I never gave up. I always said, no matter how old I am, no matter what the deal is, I'm going to keep trying to get to the WWE to where I want to be. And, you know, when I was freed up and, and, and I didn't have any contract obligations anywhere else, I said, this is the best time now for me to try and go. And yeah, I was, at that time in my going into my mid thirties, um, I got offered to do a tryout 
And, you know, even just doing a, a tryout for NXT, I think a lot of people would say, a lot of people would potentially even take offense and say, if I've been doing this for 15 years or close to 20 years, I don't need to do a tryout. Well, I wasn't like that because I understand how, how this industry works and I didn't mind going there and showing that I still got it and that I, you know, I'm, I'm a good person to work with and that I could speak well and that I could still wrestle. So I did it. I went through the tryout. It was a great experience. It pushed me to places I didn't think I could go uh, physically and mentally. Oh, wow. And um, after the tryout, it just seemed like a perfect fit. And a few months later, that was a wrap. And uh, I packed up, sold my house in New Jersey, packed up and moved to Orlando with my family. Yeah. So when you signed, because I, you know, again, going down memory road here and looking at your history, you you started managing pretty quick out of the gate. Was the plan for you to always be a manager? Was that what you were signed under the pretext of or no? No, I, I didn't really know. Uh, I know there was some ideas for roles for me, but I didn't know what the roles were. And then when I got here within the first month, it was kind of like, do you have interest in that? And I was like, you came to the right guy. Because again, you know, look, we all know wrestling is a ballet, right? It's very physical. And for someone who is doing it as long as I have, bodies beat up. I mean, to still get to be an on-air character and not, I mean, I still do get beat up a lot, but not have to get beat up as much all yeah. the time. It's great. And plus, you know, managers are kind of a new thing back in wrestling now these past few years. They're few and far between. Let's be real. Less competition. Everybody's trying to be a wrestler. Everyone's trying to be the world champion. This is kind of a spot where, like, I'm not in competition with everybody else. So it's kind of cool. But also, I think I'm a perfect fit for it. I really embraced it, and I enjoy it. Yeah. The, the, see, the the part I was never good at as a manager is taking the bump to pay off. I hate getting hit, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, that's so hard. We're so, getting hit hurts. I mean. It does, right? Like, I, I don't mind getting heat, but I really hate falling down. Um, So... <laughs> With with when you get approached about being a manager, it is, man, you're right. There's no competition, but there's also so little opportunity, right? Like there are so few people that get even afforded the chance to be a WWE manager, especially these days. So uh, it, I'm not shocked at all you jumped on it. But what is at the time Triple H was more in charge of NXT? I know it's more Shawn Michaels now. What was his approach to managers? What are what is his thoughts on on managers and pro wrestling? I think whatever it was, it was just kind of like, hey, it's they've. It's not that they were ever non-existent. They're kind of, I feel like, even throughout the years when they weren't a big thing, was always maybe like one or two lingering. But I think he maybe just liked it as a child or when he was younger and just kind of felt, hey, this is a kind of a cool thing to bring back. I mean, at one point, he did even tell me when I first started, um, throughout maybe when I was doing this stuff, feuding with Rhea Ripley or Shotzi at some point, he kind of said I was a modern day Bobby the Brain Heenan. Mm. And obviously that was a huge compliment that I yeah. really appreciated, but you could tell he just, you know, whether when he was younger, he liked those managers and thought it was just a cool thing to bring back. Yeah, for sure. But you've spent a lot of time in NXT now. It's been four years. I mean, you've watched waves of people move to the main roster, new people come in. You're very consistent. Do you think, do you think WWE kind of knows what to do with you right now? Or are they still trying to figure out, you know, what do we do with this guy? How, how do you uh, feel about your position? Well, I will say this. Um, first, I think I'm the longest character that, like you said, that's been consistently on NXT that's still NXT. Because I think it's almost four years now that I've been a, a regular character on NXT programming. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm, it's the longest which is pretty wild when you think about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think everything everything's about timing, right? So, you know, uh, I've finally now connected with Von Wagner. I think we have something going on here that's working really well. Agreed. 
and we'll see what happens. But the cool thing also about not having that much competition as a manager, there's more longevity being a manager. I mean, God, I feel like I could do this till I'm 90, right? So I'm in no rush for anything. I'm loving everything that's going on in NXT. It's taken a lot of twists and turns about the direction, but they've all been great directions and I'm just enjoying it and I'm still learning and I'm still working with good people. And, you know, uh, a lot of the people that I've managed have been uh, less experienced than me. So it's it's been like a pleasure to kind of pass on my knowledge and and help them out on screen and off screen. Von Wagner, Aaliyah, Jesse Kamea. So that's been fun for me. And it's it's been um, I appreciate doing that. You you talk about how you've been able to kind of evolve with the product that's had a lot of changes as you've been there. Now, it's no secret, you know, your career is you've been through a lot of phases with a lot of people holding the pen, a lot of different things thrown your way. Having been in the business for nearly two decades before you get into the WWE cycle, do you feel like that's like been a benefit for you? And do you feel like a little bit of a locker room leader for these young talents that are coming in that have not been through the muck and the mire like you have in the business? Um, so the thing is with, so a lot of the, the, the people that are in it, um, in, you know, in the hardcore training, the five days a week, the doing a lot of the, the NXT shows, we call it the coconut loop here around Florida, the small, the, the, the smaller shows, um, where they, they do them to get experience. Um, I'm not always there or like, I'm, I'm mainly a, a TV character. So I'm, you know, obviously every Tuesday for our TV shows, I'm there. So I don't, unfortunately i don't get to connect with a lot of like the brand new talent okay obviously they have a, a ton of amazing coaches for that to learn from and everything but that doesn't mean on occasion when i do get to conversate or when i talk to someone at tv um i'm not asked questions and i'm not able to pass on my, my knowledge and i am uh but it is something that i would love to do more of uh, um and that's why i even kind of see myself in years to come i would love to kind of get into a producer or a, co a coaching role where I could do more of that. What's your relationship like with Shawn Michaels? Um, I think it's great. Um, it's a business relationship, but Shawn's a great guy. And, you know, for you always think that you know everything in wrestling. And like I said, I've been doing it almost 24 years. I know everything, right? But then I have a conversation <laughs> with him and I leave that conversation always going, man, like that one line he hit me with or that, that one thing he said, I didn't see it that way. Like that makes so much sense. That's what's cool about wrestling anyway. Just it's, it's always learning and it's always changing. You can never stop learning. You never get to the top. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, my relationship's great with him. I, I, I love chatting with him and I always take away something from our conversations. So yeah, let's talk about Von Wagner here, man. I uh, have been so impressed with the work you guys are doing. Legitimate acting chops, you know, like actually having to try to act in, in professional wrestling. Uh, how, how, first of all, how did the pairing come together with Von Wagner? What, what was that like? Um, well, let me say this. So me and him started on the first day together okay. at the, at the PC. So we were in a small group together. So I knew him from day one and we got on well together from day one. And even though he's second generation as father, Wayne Bloom, he was never, so obviously he was around wrestling, but he was never in wrestling yet. So I took a liking to him right away, right when we met his friends and he would travel when we do those Florida NXT shows. He would travel with myself, Cameron Grimes, and Joaquin Wilde a lot. He would come in the car with us. And he was either asking a lot of questions or not asking any questions, which are both great things to do, either listening or learning. Um, so we were just were friends right away. And I knew from his look and the way he talked that he was going to be a big deal and he was going to get it. So when it was mentioned to start working with him, I was all about it. I knew it would be great. 
I knew we would work great together. And I, I know he's, he already is a star and he's going to be a, a, a bigger star. Um, so I think the pairing just kind of worked well together. We looked good together. Someone's idea. We were obviously both for it. And the cool thing about what we're doing right now, you say like a lot of this is acting, this talking, but you know, his story is real. Right. So when he's telling me this story, these are real emotions he has. And these are real things that I'm listening to because I didn't, I didn't know all the details of everything that went on with him in his childhood before this. So it's new to me to learn it. And as I'm listening, it really does kind of choke you up. And the, the cool thing about it is whether someone's went through the same thing that he's going through or just something similar, the fact that he's out there opening up about it, maybe kids are at home now and saying, Hey, you know, even again, if it's, it's something different that they're going through, maybe I could open up about it now. Maybe I could be in the WWE when I grew up or be whatever it is I want to be, even though this happened to me. So I just think all around what's going on right now with, with him and me is just great. And so where, where do you, where do you see you two moving in NXT? Like, what I don't know. I know you don't want to give away what's happening, but I mean, do you, do you see yourself moving into the main event picture, North American title picture? What do you, what do you see you and Vaughn moving in the direction? of? I mean, hands down, in my opinion, Vaughn is a main event player. I mean, just look at him. There's nobody that sees Vaughn Wagner and doesn't look at him twice. Even if you don't know who he is, if you're in the food store and you walk past Vaughn Wire and Vaughn Wagner in the aisle, you're looking back going, wow, did you see that guy's big blonde hair or his beard or his size? I mean, he's massive. So to me, hands down, the world title is where Von Wagner should be going, where I want him to be going, where he wants. And I'm going to do everything I could to get him there. Okay, fair enough. And what do you think of the current champion, Carmelo Hayes? Uh, I mean, he's been a great champion. I've known Carmelo Hayes for a long time before NXT. And I remember the first time I ever saw him. I don't know if I said it out loud to anyone, but I did say in my head, and I'm not just saying this, this is true. You know, I said, I was like, that dude's got a little something different about the way he moves in the ring, the way he walks and talks. I kind of knew he would be a somebody, and he is. And he's got the ball, and he's running with it really well. He's leading NXT really good right now. And, I mean, God, think how cool it would be a Von Wagner-Carmelo Hayes match. The size difference. I mean, I feel like I feel like that would be a match people would want to see. Well, it's it's a great time for NXT. You've got all the wonderful in-house talent, but man, you're getting more main roster stars coming to NXT recently now too. I mean, Seth Rollins coming in defending his title. Judgment Day was just in the main event picture. Dominic Mysterio's coming in for a big title match here uh, at the Bash. How is the how is the vibe for you feel right now in NXT? Um, does it feel like the stakes are raising at the moment? You guys are clicking a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Like obviously, when those guys come with the following they have and the star power they have. I mean, it's giving NXT a rub, rightfully so. It's great. Um, and you talked about earlier asking questions and learning. I mean, for new guys to be in a locker room and be changing across while well, Seth Rollins has his own locker room. But, okay. you know, for being, <laughs> for being catering maybe and walk past him and be able to pick a guy like, like that's brain. I mean, that's something that someone who's been doing this only a few months is like, oh, my God, I'm standing next to Seth Rollins. I'm learning from him. This is great. But – it's also like you said, it's making everyone step up their game. Oh my God, I'm wrestling on the same card as Seth Rollins. Like I need to be as good as him. I need to be as entertaining as him. I need to, to look as good as him. So win, win, win for everyone. And then also with a lot of the talent that's coming down to kind of reinvent themselves like a Dana Brooke or a Baron Corbin, it's great for them because it's kind of putting them back in the, the, 
you know, it's getting them down and dirty again. They kind of almost have to start over and reinvent themselves and, and start working harder than maybe they thought they had to. And it's really, I, I, I think, helping them out a lot. Man, I've never seen people say so many nice things about Baron Corbin as I have the past month. I mean, that Carmelo is awesome. Dude, Baron Corbin rules. I've look, he gives me boss man vibes, but that's a whole different thing. Like yeah. him, him and Herman Carmelo's match totally changed the tone. It was great. Changed the tune for so many people in a really positive way. Yeah, I I think for for both of them and I mean, back to Baron, though. I mean, he's huge. He's great in the ring. He speaks well. I mean, he's had how many characters that he's... every Everything that's been given to him, I think he's made the best out of every situation, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Well, uh, talking about making best of a situation, man. Again, back to you and Von Wagner here. Uh, you know, how, how often do you fantasize about working with Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns? You and Von Wagner getting a chance to share that ring with some big stars like that. Do you, do you think about that or no? Um... I think about what's in front of me. Obviously, I know that's in my head. Everyone wants to be in the main event of WrestleMania and do the biggest things. I do, but I'm very step by step. But man, now that you say it out loud, like, ah, that would be wild. Yeah, I mean, it'd be amazing <laughs> to be in a ring with guys like that. I mean, to be across from Paul Heyman and learn from him and, and, and speak against him. I mean, that would be, that's, a, yeah, it's, that's, that's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, it's crazy because, like, you know, everybody says there's a resurgence of managers, and there is to a degree, but it's really just kind of Paul on the main roster. I'd love to see some well, more MVP represent- also. MVP, but MVP's not around real much like these days, you know? Like, it really is just at the moment, you know, kind of just Paul Heyman for the large part representing. And he doesn't even do, like, manager spots, which drives me nuts. Like, why can't somebody drape on the second rope and get choked? Right? Why can't why can't you be grabbing feet? Like, can we have? I'm a pretty rip? sure I've choked and grabbed some feet before in my you, days as Mr. Stone. You do from time to time. Paul does it. Paul just and no knock. Right? He does other things that are very good selling for the guy on the outside. Well, he's so good, he doesn't have to get physical. You know? I know, but I freaking love that stuff. Right? <laughs> like, I used to, I used to like enjoy being able to choke somebody as the ref's back was turned. Watch as the ref was moving and in real time move. So it looked real, which is something not a lot of managers do because they don't look at the ref. But anyway, man, I'm nerdy. Well, that is kind of the cool thing is like, I'm so different than Paul. MVP is so different than Paul. I'm so different than MVP. So even, you know, whoever is the mat, we're also different from each other. There's room for everyone. And it also doesn't kind of get played out or boring because we're just also different. But I think managers are important because they're like, you know, they're adding for certain people who need that sizzle to the steak. They're kind of just adding that extra sizzle. It's not that the steak's not great, but sometimes that little extra little something makes it even better. You know? All right. Last question here. Uh, In ring future. Obviously, you've settled in nicely to this manager role. You've had a couple matches here from time to time. But do you want to get back to wrestling? What what do you what's your in ring future look like? Listen, if I got to lace up my, now it wouldn't even be wrestling boots, maybe wrestling shoes or like dress shoes turned into wrestling, whatever it would be that I would have to lace up. If I had to lace them up one time a year, maybe this body could still kind of hold on to that. But (laughs) I'm more focused on getting guys, you know, get a guys to the world title picture and pushing them to the moon as opposed to pushing myself. But if I got to do it once in a while, I will, but I just, you know, plus it would be cool. I have six year old twins. 
I think they would get a kick out of watching me just get destroyed and beat up and thrown around the ring. Didn't so. you used to do like baby exercises? <laughs> I did. I did. I was the dad bod destroyer. And I did, uh, God, when they watch that in 10 years, they're going to kill me. I did, you know, curls with them, yes. push-ups with them, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, for muscle and fitness. I remember that spread vividly. Oh, wait, I don't know. Somebody, oh, scam call, of course, right at the finish line here. Um, <laughs> my, my biggest nemesis, scam likely. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Stone, it has been a privilege and honor. I've had a wonderful time chatting. Is there anything that you want to... Uh, you know, plug, uh, put over anything like that before we wrap up? No, just I, I appreciate everyone that's following this Von Wagner story. Obviously, NXT every Tuesday night, USA Network, 8 o'clock. Um, and just, yeah, keep tuning in because this story, it's been ongoing. And I know everyone's so, you know, invested in it. And there's still a lot more to go. So it's going to be cool. Stay tuned. And, yeah, like you said, July 30th, Great American Bash. Cedar Springs, Texas. Cedar Park, Cedar Park, Cedar Texas. Park, Texas. Yes. Good Lord, Twin Dad Brain. <laughs> you want to? You want me to quiz you on politics? You want to go back to the lock? You want to do the Al Snow stuff? I don't. But you know who was on me about that? It wasn't just Al Snow. It was Al Snow and Bruce Pritchard. Oh. Those were the two that used to. They were upset that Mr. Stone is in his own Mr. Stone world, and I don't know a lot of things going out on outside of that bubble. Besides, kind of like Jim and tanning and kids and vacations i kind of just know everything in that bubble and that's the way i choose to live with you know what's the big deal all right wow we are back here uh that was mr stone inside house of wrestling did you enjoy that robert it was great it was great to hear him conversate yeah right he's a smart guy he is. He's got a really nice outlook on things. I think he, he gave a lot of really interesting answers. I think what him and Von Wagner are doing, the evolution of their partnership uh, is great. WWE clearly sees a lot in Von Wagner and having someone like Mr. Stone who has all that experience is only going to make this guy better over time. Man, I do. I love early. I love in that interview when he's like, uh, yeah, Hunter's like, oh, we're looking for a guy to do a manager's gimmick. And <laughs> Mr. Stone goes, oh, I'm a hundred. I don't have to fall down. No more falling down for me. I just talk. I do the talkies. Oh, I'm 100 percent on board. Let's do that. Let's go that direction. That's a smart guy right there. That's a that's a smart man thinking about his long term future. Uh, Bay Bay. Not that I'm thinking of anybody else. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, that is the end of the show here today. I'll be back on Thursday. I'm going to be joined by our good friend from across the pond, Dom Smith. I met him during uh, WWE Money in the Bank uh, weekend in London, and I'm very excited to welcome Dom onto the show. You're going to love him on Thursday. And of course, uh, from Money in the Bank, I was at the media junket and I got a chance to speak with Bailey. This was pre-injury Bailey, obviously, uh, but you're going to hear Bailey and Dom here on thursday robert anything you want to plug promote, put over here before we wrap up the show today yeah you can follow me on twitter at wwcreative underscore ish uh i also have my own podcast wrestle roasts uh where we do a weekly roast of a different wrestler or wrestling personality it's myself and three very funny uh comedians mike lawrence dan saint germain and scott chaplin you can get that on all of the places where you get uh podcasts and uh, i have a pro wrestling tea store if you're watching i'm wearing my my kayfabe shirt, uh, it's uh, prowrestlingtees.com slash creative underscore ISH. And uh, looking forward to post-SummerSlam, uh, we usually have Nick on after the big events to hear about all the ways in which he went to a press conference and caused chaos. So stay tuned for that. I caused so little chaos at the Money in the Bank press conference. I, I, I texted Dan about it. I was like, I didn't do anything of note. Let's not do it this time. <laughs> so anyway. Anyway.
anyway, uh, I really appreciate everybody coming in here. I appreciate Premier Streaming Network. Go uh, so, show some love to the rest of the content on their platform. SporthouseOfWrestling.com. Go visit the House of Wrestling podcast feed. Grab anything you want off the living room table. Please be sure to grab your shoes. I hope you didn't drink too much and forget them. Get on out the door. And remember, you're welcome back anytime.